Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night and early happy new year from us here as well as sports in certain aspects begin to come to a close. College football is on the precipice of its semifinals. The NBA is kicking off and kicking off strong. The NFL has one more week left. We're excited to find out who's in and who's out because there's going to be a lot of drama in the last week of the national football league and the San Diego Padres are trading for every player under the sun to try and be relevant for your baseball hint and knowledge for this show. But college football is as good a place to start as any, because these two games that'll be played on Friday will matter. There's been a couple exciting bowl games coming down the stretch here that unfortunately don't have much matter or merit just because there's only two games that count in these four. We've talked about it on this show already that they should have considered expanding this season to at least six. I wouldn't be opposed to eight, but we're stuck with the two games, the four teams they play on Friday, Alabama and Notre Dame, Clemson and Ohio state to get to the national championship game. Excitement beckons Al strap in. Big John, I hope you had a great Christmas with your family and obviously small gatherings for all. And we're glad to be back with everybody. Now, before we get into the discussion of it, since, uh, you know, I am the old version and no longer nearly as tied into the gaming industry as you are. Why don't you tell our friends and uh, listeners exactly what these numbers are for these two games before we get into them? Because obviously Alabama is a mammoth favorite against Notre Dame. But just how big a favorite are they as we get ready to go off in two days? If we go by the prestigious ESPN app, which everyone has, obviously, to keep it simple, Clemson is now favored by, I believe, seven and a half points. I just want to make sure that that's the case because the line's been moving a little bit here and there. It's still seven and a half. Alabama, they have listed on here as 19 and a half point favorites. I think that line has moved to 21 on certain gambling sites. So that is severely in favor of the Crimson Tide. And I believe that makes them the biggest favorite in the history of the playoffs in either a semi or a final. I would think so. I would think so. I don't remember a number being higher than that. Three touchdowns. Jeez. This is the one in four folks remember. Uh, Notre Dame, which everybody thought belonged until they got smoked by Clemson uh, in the biggest game of their season, but did split with Clemson. Now takes on an Alabama team that has been an offensive juggernaut throughout the season with you know three legitimate Heisman Trophy candidates who I believe wound up uh, two are going the quarterback, Mac Jones, and Smith, the wide receiver, to New York. And I believe the running back, uh, Najee Harris, wound up fifth. And I think it was the first time in history that a team has had two of the top four going and the number five. So three of the top five, I won't say vote-getters, but you know, finishers, so to speak, 
uh, in terms of you know, the Heisman finalists. Four go to New York uh, when the time comes, uh, or Zoom to New York. I'm not sure how they're going to do it. I know they're gonna, not going to have the regular ceremony. I don't know if the, the small group is actually going to New York, but I know there will not be a ceremony because no large gatherings allowed. Uh, but I believe they're the first team ever to have three of five. Be that as it may, uh, Notre Dame, which had a terrific season with the win over Clemson, now faces an uphill battle in a game in which they are getting no respect uh, for a couple of reasons. One, obviously the beating they took at the hands of the Clemson Tigers. And two, because in this spot in the past, which we've talked about ad infinitum and everyone else has, this is where Notre Dame historically comes up small and looks like they don't belong on the same field with their opponent in this game. I happen to think that that will continue. I would take Alabama and I would lay this big number because I think Alabama is going to put 40 points on the board. That means Notre Dame's got to get to 20, and I don't think they're going to do it. I see this game as really Alabama doing whatever they want, not because Notre Dame is not a good team, but because Notre Dame just simply does not have the kind of athleticism that can match the versatility of the Alabama offense. This is an Alabama offense that can beat you with Najee Harris, that can beat you with Smith. I, I mean, do we know if Jalen Waddell is going to play? I don't think Jalen Waddell is even going to play. So now they've got their third, who becomes their second wide receiver. They are loaded. Absolutely a diverse and electric offense. And I just don't think Notre Dame, as well as they've been all, and played all year, I do not think they will be in a position to stop the Alabama offense. I'm not going to say it's LSU last year, but it is a terrific offense. A lot of, of the reason being due to its versatility. They can kill you on the ground. Uh, Najee Harris is also a very good pass receiver out of the backfield. Their wide receivers are absolutely tremendous. And Mac Jones has had a wonderful season. He's going to win the Heisman Trophy. He's very adept at throwing the ball deep. The wide receivers can fly. They can pound you to death. They can beat you deep. They can beat you underneath. When you watch them play, you are amazed at how open the wide receivers are. No matter what, whether it's deep, whether it's underneath again, zone coverage, they seem to do whatever they want, whatever they want. So it will be a supreme test for Notre Dame. I don't think they have really any chance in this game to win. And I love Alabama uh, to really beat them up. Maybe they get a backdoor cover, but I think Alabama will strike from all over the field as they have all year long, and they will put up at least 40 points in this game and cover. Your thoughts? We saw Florida really give Alabama its best run for its money a couple weeks ago before the season ended in the SEC championship game, a shootout, 52-46. And unfortunately, Kyle Trask is not having a similar performance against Oklahoma as this game is in the second half while we're recording this. I think Notre Dame is going to have to play a four corners Dean Smith offense, if you will, and try to control the ball for as much as it possibly can. Easier said than done against Alabama's defense. But in an example of teams that have tried to do this, Virginia Tech tried to do this against Clemson a couple weeks back too, where they just run the play clock all the way down, run these little three yard, four yard plays 
and try to keep the ball out of, in this case, it was Trevor Lawrence's hands, but try to keep the ball out of Alabama's offense. Notre Dame has touted a great offensive line. Ask any Notre Dame former athlete or anyone covering the team that's come on ACC radio this season and talks about Notre Dame like they're the best team in college football history. The homerism from their school is top notch. It has to be top five in college football. How obsessive these guys are with how great their team is. And then they go out and get shit on by Clemson and you don't hear from them. But that's neither here nor there. When they were undefeated, though, it got dominated by Clemson. It did. It did. Uh, in, the, in the last match, it was not Clemson a great had, had their, their defense back and healthy. And this so, was coming after the first, the, fir- the first game where Travis Etienne averaged, I believe, five feet per carry, if my math serves me correctly. Not yards, folks, feet. That changed drastically the second time around once Trevor Lawrence was in the lineup. So your best offense is to keep Alabama's offense off the field. But what's going to be the success? Are you going to put the ball in Kyron Williams and all the running backs hands and try to ride that offensive line? Or is it time to really just give the ball to Ian book? Listen, man, you've got the most wins in Notre Dame history, three total losses in your career. Now, granted, they've come at horrible times in big games. It's not first week of the season losses. It's usually to end the season type losses. But is he going to be who they rely on, or is it going to be something to where they say, we got to pound the ball and make sure they don't get their hands on it? He's going to have to play the is, game of his life. Ian, Book is, Ian Book's going to have to play mistake-free football, no short fields for Alabama, and he's going to have to stay on the field for a maximum amount of time. They must keep the Alabama offense off the field. You can't match them in firepower. So what do you do? You play ball control. Like I say, three years in a cloud of dust, but you must mix your plays. You must run the football, short passing game, occasional shots deep, keep the Alabama defense on the field and try and pound them with that big offensive line. Look, one thing we can say is what we've seen in the past, and you mentioned against Florida, the Alabama defense in big games whether it's the SEC title games, whether it's the playoffs, has not played well. They've given up points in the SEC championship games, as they did last week. They've given them up in the semifinals, and they've given up tons of points in the finals. So despite all the great athletes and the number one draft picks and all the guys that we see that are going to play on Sunday – it's not uncommon for them to be really scored upon frequently. And sometimes I wonder if it's just the state of the game where it's just so much harder now to play defense at any level in football, college, high school, pro, even the best teams. It's hard to stop much harder because of the rules, because of the innovation on the offenses, because of what you can't do defensively, because of the officiating, because of the freedom of movement, et cetera where really no matter how good you are defensively, if you're playing a good offense, they're going to score. And we've seen that with Alabama. They have been scored upon often in these SEC title games and obviously in these uh, championship playoffs. So even though Notre Dame doesn't have an electric offense, I do think Notre Dame will put up points. 
but I don't think they're going to put up nearly enough points to win the game, and I don't think they're going to put up enough points to cover because I think it's going to take 24, 28 points to cover, and I don't think they're going to get there. Maybe they get one garbage late, pull it off, but you know, to me, this has got you know, 45, 21 written all over it. And it'll probably get decided right away. If Notre Dame gets the ball first, they win the toss. They're able to establish its running game. Take time off the clock, maybe even half the first quarter. If it's a great case scenario before Alabama even touches the ball, you're in business. But Alabama wins the toss. Say they go down three or four plays. They're up seven, nothing. Defers nowadays. If I'm Notre Dame, I'm taking the ball. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not deferring. I want to get on the field and I want to see what I can do about controlling the football. Absolutely. Because if it's 14, nothing first two possessions, Alabama scores and it eight minutes are left in the first quarter. Now you're in trouble. Now you got to start passing to try and keep up. And that might not be what you wanted to do. So if they're able to control the football, that's best case scenario. Ian book plays a, Clemson game number one, not a Clemson game number two, also best case scenario. On paper, though, I have to agree with you completely, especially after the second Clemson game where they just got wrecked. How can you not foresee a similar thing happening with that Alabama offense and an offense on Notre Dame that's not known for being able to go into shootouts with teams that are also shooting out with them. They've blown my teams concern out for Notre Dame was the inability to protect the quarterback Yeah, against the Clemson defense when the strength was their offensive line and they got manhandled. You know, I watched that entire game, the, the, the Clemson, uh, the Clemson front line without really too much blitzing uh, and sending extra people, you know, they did it occasionally, but for the most part, it was with their front group thoroughly dominated uh, what is supposedly Notre Dame's strength, you know, their big, strong offensive line. Uh, they met at the quarterback frequently and forced Book out of the pocket, and then their speed on defense really prevented anything big from happening. Now, game two is intriguing for so many reasons. Uh, you know, number one, obviously, you have Clemson, you have Trevor Lawrence, without their offensive coordinator, who is home because of COVID. So he will have a different voice uh, coming into his helmet. That's item number one. Item number two, we really have a wild card in Ohio State. Normally, we know what we're getting when the four teams are in here. Ohio State's only played six games, and they haven't played too many of them with a full roster because of the virus. So... I don't even know what the scenario is for them in terms of who's in, who's hot, who's not, who was available and who was not. Are they ready and raring to go with their full complement? Uh, is everybody off the COVID list? I don't know. If so, you would think they would compete with clubs because this is, although uh, another top-rated Clemson team. This is not like the Clemson teams we've seen over the last few years, although they did get smoked last year by LSU. But I don't think this Clemson team is to that level. They have a wonderful running back. Travis Etienne is a terrific player, probably the best player on the team. I think he is the best player on the team. Uh, no disrespect to Trevor Lawrence, but I'm just going to say it. 
I think Lawrence is, is, is very good. I think uh, Etienne is, is the best player. And I think he will be a huge, has to be a big factor in this game for them. Because I don't know if Ohio State's athleticism is going to allow Lawrence to run as much as he's been running. And which he did last year in this game, if you remember. Uh, he has run a lot this season when he's been healthy. And he ran a lot in the postseason last year. I'm very curious to see if that, again, is a big staple of the offense against Ohio State. And, you know, the wild card is Justin Fields. Second time in this game, not very good last year, has really had a mediocre season, had the virus. So I'm sure we have to put some of it upon, upon that. And they've only played six games. So we're really haven't gotten much of a look at how good they really are, uh, how healthy they are, and whether or not they're going to be a match for this Clemson team. I like Clemson in this game, despite the fact they don't have an offensive coordinator. I think they are out there with a chip on their shoulder uh, because of uh, you know the strength of Alabama. They made a statement against Notre Dame, and I think that they will handle Ohio State by double digits. Yeah, it's no small loss for Clemson to be without Tony Elliott, who is always seemingly thrown around when a head coaching position comes up in either college football or the NFL. He's one of the best play callers in college and probably the pros too, if if given the opportunity. So he will give way and heed way to the wide receiver quarterbacks, coach, passing game coordinator, do it all and see if that's going to be the answer for Clemson, Brandon Streeter. It'll be him and it'll be Dabo calling the plays. Pretty for all we know. Could be a Brandon Streeter coming out party. Now he's been with Clemson since 2014, right around the time that I think Tony Elliott got there as well. He's not calling the plays. Tony Elliott, how, how's this for a stat? 80 and six since he's been the offensive play caller for Clemson in 2014. So not, not too shabby for his record. That's what they'll be losing. It's amazing how the ACC has been so incredibly dominated by two programs. Yeah. Over you know, pretty much now the last quarter century minimum, I guess more than that, you know, in Florida state and Clemson, which is basically replaced Florida state as the most dominant team uh, in any of the major conferences. He'll call plays. Even, even, even more so than Alabama is in the SEC. You know, Clemson, Florida in the ACC, and now Clemson in the ACC were, to me, far and away the two most dominant teams in any conference over an extended period of time. And the falls, the falls from grace, if they happen, are hard, as we've seen with Florida State, just trying to piece together a coach that can get them to six or seven wins and beyond and please the fans. It's been four or five years there, at least, where it's just, well, ever since Jimbo left, really, and his last season wasn't great. It hasn't been great for Florida State. The fall, when it eventually comes, it comes for everybody. The Patriots are learning that this season. We'll talk about them coming up. 
it comes for everybody. So it'll be different for Clemson having Dabo call the plays, having Brandon Streeter call the plays as the quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator. CJ Spiller, former Clemson great, is taken over as the running back responsibilities guy. So it's not a bad thing having him on the sidelines talking to Travis Terrific college Co. player. Terrific college player. And you have a Heisman finalist with a national championship under his belt in Trevor Lawrence already as your quarterback, somebody that has to understand the offense by now in general. So it's not like you're throwing people out here that have no idea what they're doing. Tony Elliott's definitely going to be missed. Not having Tony Elliott, I don't believe is what's going to have Clemson lose this game. I think it would be more so seeing Ohio state play to the potential that the college football committee and members of the big 10 and Ryan day have told us they're capable of playing of in 2020. We just haven't seen it yet in six games. They've been, eh. you know, Trevor Lawrence has, has shown in the past. He can be wild. He was wild last year in the finals. Yeah. He can have a bad wild, game. He was wild high. He had a bad game. If he has another game like that, where he's not sure where it's going, which could result in a couple turnovers and or, or, or stop drives. Ohio state's got a world of talent. We know they do. We just don't know how much of it is available and how in sync they can be only playing six games and players missing so many practices. It really is the biggest wild card we've had uh, since the playoffs started. Because you really don't know what you got. Well, and if they get punched in the mouth, are they going to respond? This being Ohio, State? no one knows. You know, they could no fall idea. down by three touchdowns and be like, "Well, that's it. Forget no it. idea. Forget it. No we're idea. done." So we'll see. We could, as we're talking about, get an incredible game for Ohio State, and it's a big ask of any team. Hey, play your best game today, and you and have the you best the chance to win. I would love to see playing on, on Friday. Who we're not going to see play? Who's been there? Uh, in the past because of their Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks and then Jalen's last year. Um, I, I would love to see Oklahoma in this game. So Oklahoma's playing as well as anybody in the country. They are throttling Florida. They are moving the ball at will in every possible fashion against Florida. Folks, I'm watching the Cotton Bowl live, and it's now 34-13, to 13, the much maligned Big 12 champ, Oklahoma over SEC runner-up. Uh, Florida, and they are scoring in every conceivable fashion, running, throwing, long runs, underneath, down the field. Oklahoma's much better this year defensively under their new coordinator, and uh, even with their their young quarterback, the Rattler, uh, replacing the Heisman Trophy winners and then Jalen Hurts, uh, they are getting it done. Lincoln Riley has put together a just a program that is an offensive arsenal. No matter who they play, where they play, when they play. They can't stop a team like Alabama, but they can certainly roll with them. Uh, I, I, they are fun to watch. They are fun to watch. And they are putting it to Florida. It's a team I would love to be in this group for the semis, which you're not going to see. Uh, the team I would love to see is Oklahoma versus Texas A&M. 
Because Texas A&M defense is pretty darn strong, even though Alabama put up 50 on them. I would that was the game I wanted to see was Al, was uh, Oklahoma and Texas A&M. Uh, now I did think this was going to be a better game, and I obviously was wrong. But uh, to to me, again, the biggest point of curiosity for me is what are we going to get with Ohio State? Because I I just have no idea. I have no idea what I'm going to see until I see it. If it's the same, it's been this season. They don't have a shot. Even in their best game from the six, they're not going to beat Clemson unless Clemson plays its worst game of the season out of a dozen. They're going to have to play great football. The football that everyone has pegged them to be capable of playing is what they're going to have to do on Friday. Let's see if they're up for the challenge. I look, this is a big game for both quarterbacks. It, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that, I mean, I don't mean, for, you know, obviously, big game is the last game of uh, one of their careers you know, as a college football player, but it's a huge game for the draft scenario. Now, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that you know, Trevor Lawrence is going to be the number one overall pick. But a lot of people have Justin Fields labeled as the, the next best quarterback in the draft. So, you know, top five pick, maybe a second, maybe the second pick, maybe the third pick. Uh, this game could go away, or the next two games could go a long way in determining that. You know Clemson is probably going to play well. Because they have so much experience in this spot. They're there every year now, like clock. So uh, I don't think they're going to be bothered by anything. Ohio State at times in these, these games have looked tight. So you know, I'm curious to see how that plays out as well, especially since they, you know, I don't even know what they're going to be fielding, you know, whether it's going to be their best team or not in terms of uh, players who are unavailable to the virus. But regardless, in this game, they have looked tight at times, sloppy, uh, haven't looked sharp. And I think Clemson will, uh, will play very well. And uh, for that reason, like I said, I'd like them. I, don't get me wrong. It's a 30 point win, but you know, 31, 14. Yeah. 30 to 17, 34, 20, uh, double digits in a cup. Best case scenario for Clemson is to have, the game where the first couple possessions, it's just up and down the field. No problem. Two scores game in hand, put Ohio state up against the ropes. See how they respond, but they have had games and circumstances where it takes them a little while to get going. I'm also a couple three and outs because I'm very curious to see how uh, ETN plays in this game and how much of a factor he is. Because sometimes he's almost like the forgotten man in their offense. Right. For years. You know, his I, whole I, career. I'd, be giving, I'd be giving it to him 20 plus times a game. Yeah. Which they never do. And another guy who, to me, you know, the running backs are back now in the draft. I think he's the first running back drafted because of his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. Very versatile player. Good blocker. Excellent speed. Excellent hands. Love watching the play. And I think that uh I think that he is the guy who is the real can be the real difference maker for them. Trey Sermon. See if he has an answer for it. How it's, electric uh, he was against 
Northwestern's defense. Another great potential matchup, not over just three hundred over three hundred yards. Yes, breaking over records left and right. So if they're going to try a similar style to Notre Dame, of keep Trevor Lawrence off the field, you've got a pretty great back to try it with against the Clemson defense that's still just getting used to being back to full strength, and they'll be down Noah Turner their safety for the first half because of the stupid targeting calls that exist in college football. So if they control the ball early and keep Trevor Lawrence off the field, hey, you go up into halftime, it's 14-7, 17-14, and you're right there. That's a perfect case scenario for you. Uh, so look, we'll give, me, give me a competitive game because I don't yeah. I don't expect the other. Let's that. hope. Give I'm all for competitive, two. and if I have to pick gun to head, who do you want to win of your two ACC teams since you work for ACC radio? Give me the team that's actually in the ACC. Now, to the National Football League. Hey, it's my conference. That's right. As an SU, proud, proud SU class of 80, it's my conference now. So That's right. Give us the teams that are actually in the conference. No offense to Notre Dame. If you win, we're going to be cheering for you. We'll be cheering for you against Alabama. Absolutely. Plus, you could, I, I, never read, I, I never need much additional, additional fodder to root against Ohio State. So. No. so we're pulling for ACC. The National Football League is going to have several team fan bases this coming week. Either their favorite team or having to pull for another team to do well in order for their team to get success. Famous fan group doesn't have to do much of anything. And that is the Bills Mafia. That's right. Because the Bills Mafia is all fired up. I believe they are locked in, are they not? Are they, are they not locked into the two seed? They're good with the two and the chiefs from what I know are good with the one because yes. they will be sitting, uh, Sir they Patrick Mahomes. Yep. So Patrick Mahomes will have in essence, three weeks off. Correct. And he might need it because he has not looked like the Patrick Mahomes that gets built up to look like the past several games at all. He could enjoy the week off, weeks off. But that's what you get when you win as many games as the Chiefs have won. 14 and when games. you're the only team with the bye in the new playoff configuration for this at least COVID season. Don't know if it's going to be that way in the future. Hope not. I, I like it the old way because I am the old report. I don't like the one bye. I think it's unfair. However, with one loss... Uh, they certainly earned it, no doubt about that. And the AFC is a crapshoot. It's a catch-as-catch-can. Yeah, see if you can make sense of this. <laughs> who's in and who's out, depending. The Colts with an absolutely brutal loss that now has them up 24-7 against the Steelers, who had lost four in a row and ready to stumble to... Uh, 10 and five, excuse me, ready to stumble to uh, uh, 11 and five. And lo and behold, what am I talking about? 11. Many, they started the season with 11 in a row. They would have been 11 lost, in four. four. Then they lost four in a row, excuse me. So ready to stumble. Did it was four in a row or three in a row? Three in a row. They're 12 and three now. So I was they ready, been ready to stumble four. to 11 and four. What am I thinking? 
Raiders stumble to 11 and four, down 24 seven, and Phil Rivers in the driver's seat. The Colts possibly in position to finish as high as a two seed if they win that game because they have Jacksonville this week. So they're in great shape. 12 and four, Phil Rivers, 27 kids. Okay, the Cowboy ties. Phil, we said it couldn't be done. You're over the hill. You can't throw the ball more than 30 yards down the field. Boom, ready to rock, ready to rock at 12 and four. And then all of a sudden, here come the Steelers in a quarter and a half. They wake up. The Colts just fall apart. Here's the Phillip Rivers we know and love. Oh, no. <laughs> Throwing picks, looking old. This is not what we need the Phillip Rivers vintage game, dude. You're with the Colts just when now. You thought it was, just when you thought it was safe. Come on. Don't do it now. Uh and lo and behold, the Steelers rally for a 28-24 win, clinch their division, so they will rest Big Ben. And now, as we sit tonight, at unfortunately for them, 10-5, and five, the Colts are on the outside looking in with that loss. Because, obviously, the Ravens won big over the Giants. Uh, the Dolphins had their miracle victory against the Raiders, who are simply unconscionable, a loss that was as unforgivable as the win that they got against the Jets, just as bad, if not worse, you know, in terms of what they did, uh, giving away a game with 19 seconds to go after they decided to kick the field goal instead of go for the touchdown, which I could not figure out, but regardless, uh, a guy wide open down the sidelines when Ryan Fitzpatrick gets his head twisted off and blindly throws the ball up for grabs miraculously. Instead of keeping him in the middle of the field, there's a guy wide open on the sideline. The quarterback just lets him go by. Could have wide. been a touchdown still, too if he if he didn't have his face ripped off of him while he was throwing it. He just still had to throw it. Out. Out. So you know, Miami steals a win to stay alive and jump ahead of the Colts. The Ravens roll, and of course, the Browns do what the Browns do. They spit the bit with wide receivers off the street, practice squad, Pop Warner, what have you. You know, if Paul, why didn't call Paul Warfield? I have no idea. Uh, you know, where's Webster Slaughter when you need him? Reggie Rucker's still out there somewhere. Bring back Dave Logan. But the point is, no wide receivers available because of virus issues, et cetera. Unfortunately, shake and bake Mayfield. Baker puts it on the ground three times. They lose to the JTS Jets, 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 who have now put up a two, count of two, not one, not three, but two, a two-game winning streak for the Jets, beating two potential playoff teams back-to-back. The Rams and the Browns, and lo and behold, the Browns could be on the outside looking in, but... But as they face the Steelers this weekend, Ben Roethlisberger will not be playing. Will that be a blessing for the Browns? Who knows? Because guess who's back out there playing quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers? The last time he was on the field was the ugliness of Helmetgate. Mr. Hardhead. He's back. The one and only, uh, their backup quarterback, uh, who 
we're not quite sure what happened. Well, in Christmas is verbal, over and in, Rudolph in, in can come back. But we do know uh, he was, uh, quite frankly, assaulted, yeah. for lack of a better right. term. Uh, on national television. On, on national TV. And luckily was not seriously injured. Uh, but it, it, young Mason could have been you know, the headless horseman uh, based upon the way that helmet was swung at him with the vicious that it was swung. Fortunately, he was okay. And he will be quarterbacking the Steelers this Sunday as the Browns, who can actually back into the playoffs. They can actually make it if they lose. Chance will be very slim. But you would expect that they would win against a, a big Benless Pittsburgh group. But we've seen so many times in the past that when the Browns have the opportunity, the fake Browns, because you know, as I've called them many years, they are the fake Browns. The real Browns are my team because I grew up as a Cleveland Browns fan, and those Browns are in Baltimore. Those are the Browns. The fake Browns, as I've told you many times, have been living through the curse of Arthur Modell. It struck again last week against the Jets. Yeah. It struck on Monday night against the Ravens. And will it strike again and keep them out of the playoffs after they look like a mortal lock at 10 and 3? Could they finish loss, 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 10 and 6 outside looking in with you know, the curse of Art Modell reigning supreme again? Tell me who you think is going to win the Pittsburgh Cleveland game with everything on the line for the Browns. How about Sunday just being an epitome of what it's been to be a Browns and Jets fan for the past decades where the Jets are just dying to lose a football game to just give them a ray of hope in week 17, that there's the slightest of possibilities that they could still get Trevor Lawrence, get the number one pick in the draft. They end up winning their second game. And you've got the Browns playing the Jets, even with a depleted offensive roster, needing to win to help their playoff lives out. You assume they'll be able to beat the Jets, right? And they have that fumble where the rule under two minutes, if you fumble it forward, you can't grab it unless you're the same player. But did Baker really fumble it forward or was it backward? Was it a lateral? Does it matter? What was the intent? Mother of mercy. Of course the game ends that way. So they get a little redemption. One more opportunity to either beat the Pittsburgh Steelers or watch the Colts lose to the Jaguars, which I doubt would happen. There's also a scenario where if the Titans lose, the Dolphins win and the Ravens win, they get in that way. So they're trying to do all the math just in case they can't beat the Steelers. From what we've seen in Pittsburgh, They've come on of late to slightly, ever so slightly, make us forget how dismal they were. I mean, I was jokingly calling on Twitter for Mason Rudolph for several games that the Steelers have played so far because Ben has looked that bad. Like, it can't be worse with Mason Rudolph. At least he could probably throw the ball down the football field. How else is it going to look worse than a heavy set uncle on Thanksgiving after too many? slinging it with the kids in the backyard. That's how Ben's looked several times this season. You're telling me Mason Rudolph can't do that. So he comes back and goes deep downfield a number of times. Yeah. And, and fuels the comeback. Here he against, is. Where's he you know, been against, you know, we all thought it was a really good team 
And there they are, division winners. Colts could be literally home for the playoffs. And the Dolphins get a break because they know who's going to start yet after Fitzpatrick comes off the bench. And a lot of people are saying that their best chance to win is Fitzpatrick. We'll see what happens there. We don't know how long Buffalo is going to play their regulars since they've got the two seed, I believe, clinch. So will Josh Allen play for more than a half? Uh, or will the Bills Mafia rule, rule and just say, let's go out and mug them? Let's go out and mug them. Let's go beat them up. Let's stay hot. Let's finish this thing strong. Since we don't have a bye, let's not treat this like it doesn't mean anything. Let's go into right. the playoffs hot. Let's keep it rolling. And let's beat up the Dolphins and send them home. Now, that's one way to approach it. That's the way I would approach it if I were the Bills. I wouldn't give an inch if I were the Bills. I'm hot. I'm playing well. I don't want to do anything to cool off this quarterback and this wide receiver and this defense. They're hitting on all eight cylinders. I never thought, as good as he was in Minnesota, that this – look, they traded three picks for him. I was like, what? Fooled me. Fooled me. He has been astounding. Uh, he is clearly one of the best wide receivers in the league this year, uh, along with probably the kid from Green Bay and, of course, your guy up in Arizona who you always rave about, who is kind of faded with the quarterback fading. Uh, But the combination in Buffalo of quarterback and wide receiver and combination in Green Bay of of quarterback and wide receiver have been nothing short of off the charts this year for those two teams. They've both been brilliant. And if I'm the Bills, I am going to the whip. No hand ride home. I want to finish now. Look, you know, if I'm up forty to ten or forty-five to ten in the second half, of course I'm going to sit my quarterback down. But I want him going into the playoffs off of a good game, a good finish. I want to feel really good about myself, and I want these guys to have game action, and I want them to continue to kick ass. So I'm playing them. So do you think? the Dolphins will be the team that falls out because they're currently in. That's going to be the team that falls out and the Colts end up getting in because of it. And the rest stays the same. Well, you're going to have to tell me because I'm not sure what happens if the Dolphins lose and the Colts win. Let's say the Ravens win. And by the way, I am not overlooking Cincinnati. Cincinnati's been playing much better. They beat the hell out of Pittsburgh. They beat not a good, but a regularly competitive Houston team because they've got a good offense, Houston. Uh, So the Ravens, I don't believe, will will walk in and just walk all over the Bengals. I think the Bengals will be pumped up. I think it'll be a difficult game for the Ravens. And... I don't in any way, shape, or form consider that game an automatic win. No way. But let's say the Ravens do win. So Ravens win, Dolphins lose, Colts win. 
The Dolphins would where need that, the Browns that, to lose okay. in order to so make it. So the Browns it. win and they're in, correct? Yeah, Dolphins right. go home. Yep. Okay. So I, I, even logic would, to me, that's what logic would dictate. Ravens beat the Bengals. I think the I, I think the Bills are such a superior team to the Dolphins. I think the I think the Bills are superior to the point where they could beat them with their backup quarterback. That's how well I think the Bills are playing. I think the Dolphins. I don't get me wrong. I don't think the Dolphins stink. I don't think they suck. They made great strides. I think they're much better, but I don't think they're a playoff. I don't think they belong in the playoffs. I think the Colts are better. I actually think the Browns are better when they've got their entire group. Uh, I think the Dolphins are kind of a, a paper tiger. Plus, so you're said, asking Fitzpatrick. Just to, we'll just assume and say the Bills. Let's say they start their full team. They go up early at halftime or in the third quarter, the dolphins decide to do what they did last week. Take out to a put in Fitzpatrick. Is he going to have another miraculous comeback to get them into the postseason? You usually don't have two of those. In a it's row. hard to do hard to do. And he's had a lot of magic this season already. Very hard to do. So if you have, if you have to put money down or if you're asking us, I think I agree with you as well, that if I have to pick, it would be the dolphins losing to the bills Colts beating the well, Jaguars. To me, to me that would result in the best teams in the AFC. Yeah, that w- I would agree with that too. As, as much as I rag on Phillip Rivers, deservedly so, I wouldn't hate seeing him in the postseason, especially in a Colts uniform. So, I agree. I think the Dolphins will get there, just not yet. The NFC also bubbly for a couple teams. We have on the bubble the Arizona Cardinals suffer a another ugly looking loss. The Cowboys who are on the way up with a couple wins to put them at six and nine, the giants who haven't really had much of a change at five and 10. It'll come down to a wild matchup between the Dallas Cowboys and the New York giants and the Washington Redskins with quarterback question mark after they kicked Dwayne Haskins to the curb, justifiably so. I know you mean the Washington football team, but right, the Washington football team. I'm the one who's supposed to make that WTF, guy. WFT, whatever they stand for. Those frauds, come up with a name. You're gonna make the. We're gonna have a scenario. Can we do that, please? The first team in history without a team name can make the postseason well, in 2020. I think it's appropriate. Let's Why call them the filibusters. Let's call them. Let's call them the filibusters. Get them in. So if they lose, it's the winner of the Giants and Cowboys game gets into the postseason, if I Hard understand all that correctly. Hard to believe. Hard to believe. Worst or best case scenario record wise, a seven and nine team is getting in the postseason. And as I have said before, they must change the rules. I don't want to hear this. Well, you know, you gotta you gotta reward the division winner. They are getting rewarded. They're getting in the playoffs. You cannot have a home playoff game if you are under 500. At least give me eight and eight. Because remember, folks, if you are a division winner and you 
are winning that division at seven and nine. That means you have played the other three teams in your division twice. You've played six games against teams that suck. And the best you could do was seven and nine. Think about that. Everybody in that division is worse than seven and nine, which means they all suck. And you got to play them six times. You can only get to seven wins. What does that tell us about you and your division? You don't deserve a home game. You win the division, okay, you get in the playoffs. That's all you get if you can't get to 500 in a division where you get to play those teams six times. That has to be changed. They should not, especially, that doesn't mean as much this year, but in the future for a team to have to go in and play on somebody else's home field in front of a packed house, that's unacceptable. And I know it's an outlier, but once is too much. Once is too much. And this is a perfect example of it. You should not get this home game. You should have to travel. Be that as it may, one of these three teams is going to be the winners uh, of the NFC least. The South, New Orleans, much better than I thought they were going to be. Kudos to them. Uh, They won their most of their games without Drew Brees and without a real quarterback when he was out, the fam Taysom Hill. And Tampa is pretty much, I think, what we thought they were going to be. We had them around 10 wins. Brady has come on like gangbusters of late, uh, really putting the naysayers to sleep. It's been very quiet now on the uh, the coach player front. The coach QB controversy seems to have simmered down. Uh, that usually happens when the quarterback's playing really well. But uh, they have gotten it into gear, and they're playing really, really well. They're in the mix, plain and simple. The North, Green Bay is the best team in the conference. They've got the MVP. They've got the best quarterback-wide receiver combo in the league this year. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers and his new coach are hitting on all eight cylinders. They unleashed their seldom-seen kid, the rookie running back from Boston College, the Mack truck, who just ran through gaping holes against the Titans, who have been playing so well for so long, Looked like they never saw snow. In the kind of game you love to see in Green Bay. You love to see, don't get me wrong, 10 degrees below zero, but there's no other place that you'd rather see 20 degrees and snow on the ground than Green Bay. It just looks right. And Aaron Rodgers, you know, played played on the left coast, played for Cal, didn't look in any way, shape, or form like he was uncomfortable in the cold, in the snow, eight Tennessee alive. They are rolling. Well, you got A.J. Dillon, too, from Boston College that's, that's, that and was my from, the, from the up big, north. Anyway, he was the, a kid the in the big, candy store running the, the football. The big store, and, and he was running through gaping holes against Tennessee, cutting back on the frozen tundra, looking right at home, healthy. Now he's in the mix, you know, along with Jones, their other running back. They are looking like the class of the NFC. 
I think it can be said unequivocally. And I believe also that he is now a slam dunk MVP. Yeah, absolutely. He proved it. This, this was a great week to prove it. You can nitpick certain things, but it's not Patrick Mahomes this year. Sorry. It's been Aaron Rodgers. He obviously has the worser of the offenses to work with. You could argue, I don't know about the defenses. I guess they can kind of balance each other out. But what he's been able to do with, again, the no-name wide receivers that he has, the Aaron Rodgers FU tour, we've been saying it since after the draft when they drafted Jordan Love in the first for their first pick. This was going to be the Aaron Rodgers FU tour, and he hasn't disappointed aside from a couple slip-ups here and there. Now, obviously, the postseason will be a whole different ball game, but the regular season, what he's done to get the Packers where they are has been impressive. And it's nice for them to kind of be able to relax, get a first round by, by beating the bears, which is going to have a, a little bit of an avalanche effect in the NFC, depending because if the bears lose the bears, let's no, they can lose and have Seattle lose. And they would still manage to get the first round by. The Rams are going to be Packers fans because if they lose, they would need the Bears to lose to the to the Packers. So Rams either control their destiny with not Jared Goff, Kyler Murray, maybe, probably, for the Cardinals, a little banged up himself. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain is going to be the story for a lot of quarterbacks in the National Football League in Week 17. You're going to have guys from the AAF, the XFL, the third string holder for the field goal kicks will be throwing some passes for some teams. There's going to be some wild scenarios for quarterback positions. Just, just bear with it. Hopefully you're a team that it doesn't matter who you have at quarterback, like the Chiefs. Or like we said, the Bills. But there's going to be some teams like the Giants who are having to deal with their banged-up quarterbacks with Daniel Jones, the Washington football team, who's going to be their quarterback? Can Alex Smith come back and lead them to a victory? Injuries coming at the worst of times for some teams around the league, unfortunately. So don't pay attention to those. Just pay attention to the records. If I have to put a pick as to who moves around, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to have to say that the Dallas Cowboys end up winning their game against the Giants. And that's it. Because I don't think Washington will beat the Jalen Hurts Eagles. Obviously, Dallas, huge Eagles fans this week. Unless they have Alex Smith, that does give them a better chance. Just the way the year has gone, that's what I'm thinking. Unfortunately for the Bears, I think they end up out. And luckily for the Cardinals, I think they'll be able to take advantage of not having Jared Goff. Well, maybe the Rams will enjoy not having Jared Goff at quarterback. They might be looking forward to this game. Have Sean McVay dial up some magic and see what they could do slinging it around. The boy genius slinging around Cooper cup will be out. So that's not going to help his cause, but Hey, have some fun, pull out the playbook, see what happens. Who is the second best team in the NFC? 
I think the Saints have done enough to say it's them. Ahead of Seattle. Seattle plays every game way too close. Ahead of Tampa. Every game. Tampa has had too many whoa bad games for me. I think the Saints, especially the game after Drew Brees came back, just demolishing the competition. Alvin Kamara, fantasy football owners, buying him drinks for the rest of his life for his six-touchdown performance. They did enough to kind of plant their flag back to say, hey, we're right here with the Packers. At this point. I think think New Orleans is clearly the second-best team. Um, I, I, I'm Tampa can do such a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde scenario on you that that's why I can't put them in that mix, but yet they go out at times and look like they're as good a team as there is in the conference, but I just don't trust them. They seem to really be up and down. Whereas the Saints have been pretty consistent all year to their credit, as have the Packers. The Packers had the stinker against Tampa, which was an impressive win by, by the Bucs, no doubt about it. Almost looked like the Packers didn't want to play that game. Yeah, it was very strange. And I know it's not true, but it's such a strange game. So remember, the Packers were up early in that game, and yeah. then just <laughs> it's like fell somebody apart. flipped a switch and they just they lost their talent. Just fell apart. It was like Space Jam. So. And but the Seahawks will be in a game where one week they'll be up 30 to seven and they'll look like the best team in the NFC. And then another week it's 12 five and they can, they can't work a final drive to take a lead in a fourth quarter. If, if Seattle is ever a six and a half point favorite, never bet the Seattle Seahawks because they'll either win by six or they'll just lose the game entirely. Stay away. And that's how the games always are. It's either three and a half or six and a half for Seattle. It's never like 12 or something blowouty, or maybe they'll get the benefit and be like a plus two. Nope. Three and a half, six and a half. And they'll find a way to win by three or by six or just lose completely. And this has happened since the past five or six years. It seems they play in the most random and awkward and strange games in football. Seemingly every week. It's incredible. So you can't trust that if you have to pick. I think we got it. Packers, Saints, Chiefs, Bills. That's it. Sign us up. I'm sure so. It's going to be a fun final week. Well, for half of it. For the other half, it's going to be ugly, painful. Please just get us to the postseason football. Oh, for the for for Browns fans, if they don't make the playoffs. Oh God. I mean, how can how can you possibly look at it as success? You, you go ten and six, but you were ten and three. Yeah. You can't. So how can you call it a successful season? And I like the coach. I think they've got the right coach. It's put up or shut up for Baker and his boys. You're either going to show us something or you're going to have the guy on the other team dancing on the 50 yard line for TikTok. You tell us what you want. It's put up or shut up for some teams this week. It'll be exciting. Same thing in college football. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Folks, we want to wish everybody out there a happy new year. Enjoy the college football. Have a great and safe sports week, everybody, from my partner, the great John Tiny Lund. I am Al Renault, a.k.a. Al from My Plans. We'll talk to you next year.